0: Yeah, Father, we thank you for Monica and uh, we thank you for the blessings she is to us as a church. We thank you for just uh, in a busy schedule, a busy a uh, busy life that she gives up time to prepare. We thank you for the wisdom she brings uh, to us as a church. So just give every word she teaches in Amen. Amen. Okay, good, morning. good morning, and praise the Lord, Amen. Amen. Indeed, thank you so much. Worship team, Patrick, it's good to have you back. <laughs> um, really, yes. Um, lovely worship. Um, for those who are new here, I don't know if there's anybody who's new here. Um, anybody here for the first time? You kind of just meandered here. Oh wow! Okay, wow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. So my name is Monica. I'm uh, one of the people on the leadership team here. Uh, I'm not a pastor. I have to keep saying this because I'm always being called Pastor Monica, but I'm really not a pastor. So, um, you know, here we believe a pastor is really a gifting. Um, And of course, we respect other churches, depending on how they want to title themselves and so on. That's fine. But here it's more a gifting, like shepherd, like teacher, and so on. So here we're led more with a, a team of, of people, a team of leaders um, called elders. Um, that's the model that we use. So that's just a slight correction in your minds. Okay, so praise be to God. Amen, Amen indeed. This morning, um, I'm going to be bringing in a word. And this is not really your typical sermon. It's more something that... Um, I believe it's very necessary and very essential, very timely, but it's something for us to really take and chew on um, when we're in our homes and when we are wherever we are. It's, it's, it's a word from the Lord that really requires us to chew and think about. So it's going to require brains. <laughs> so if you came in this morning just to relax and have a cup of coffee and go home, um, <laughs> uh, God has a different idea. So let's just work with him. So, the topic is wisdom, wisdom from above. We sang quite a lot about leading, um, how we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that's very essential. Um, And the Holy Spirit will always lead us and guide us and direct us with wisdom. So, it's essential, it's really, really an important thing for us to know uh, wisdom from above. We all desire wisdom, we all require wisdom, and it's necessary, really. In order for us to fulfill our mission, I mean, um, we are here to bring God's kingdom into the world. We are accepted, transformed. um, That's part of who we are. And our role as we really do what God has led us into is to bring God's kingdom into our world. But we need to do it with wisdom. It's needed on a day-by-day basis. It's needed in a very practical way. We need wisdom in our relationships, the way that we relate to one another, um, parents, children, with our spouses, uh, with our siblings, our brothers and sisters, and with our friends, and so on and so on. So we need wisdom in these areas. We need wisdom in our workplaces, in businesses. If you're in business, I know that I am. I have to make decisions almost every day, so I have to do it wisely. Um, And we need wisdom because we're going to be faced with choices. What shall we do? What shall we say? How will we do it? These are choices that will always be available to us. So how do we uh, make the right choices? Now we thank God, we really, really thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom and He's sent to lead us and to guide us and to direct us in the right ways. Um, He helps us to make choices um, in a wise way and also to walk in them. And we also thank God for his word, his precious, precious word. Um, We are a very privileged generation as far as um, uh, Christianity is concerned because we have his word literally on our fingertips. It wasn't always the, 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 the case in previous generations, but we have that, that gift. Um, his word is literally on our fingertips. You just tap your phone, you, you, know, you, you open your Bible, and you have access to the word of God. Um, and the word of God also teaches us and guides us and leads us. If you think about the scriptures uh, for a moment, just think about people that you know in scriptures. There are many people who were first faced with making choices, some of them made very good choices, um, and there are some who did not make good choices, and we can always learn from them. And just to start engaging your brains, eh, can you think of some people who made very good choices in the Bible? I told you you need to think, so. <laughs> that was a heads up. Okay, some people who, gave, who made some good choices. David, you want to, sometimes, <laughs> okay, Daniel, he chose to, amen, okay, so Daniel was very, very specific, he made the choice to really pursue God, to, to follow the things of God, in, even in a generation that was very anti-God. Um, Anybody else we can think of? You don't need to give the essay that Patrick gave, but <laughs> just shout names. Joseph. Esther. Esther, Esther is saying Esther. <laughs> Ruth, Ruth. Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. Okay. Many, many more. I'm sure you can think about many more. Sorry? Zacchaeus. Z- Which is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Okay, so you can think of many, many people who made uh, good choices. Moses, for example, at one time he was really overstretched, overworked, and then his father-in-law came and gave him some advice and said, you really need to delegate your, um, your responsibilities. And he took that advice and things became much easier. Joshua, Joshua stood in front of the crowds and said, choose whom you will serve. And then he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A very, very wise choice. Nehemiah, uh, chose to rebuild the, 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 the gates, I mean the walls of Jerusalem, even in the midst of opposition. He was tempt- there, was, there was so much temptation to really stop the job because it was too difficult, it was too hard, um, there was everything against him, but he chose to stay the course to really fulfill the will of God. We've talked about Daniel, Mary uh, chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Okay, rather than be like um, Martha, um, run around and run around, and then at the end of the day, you're exhausted, you're tired, and you really cannot remember what Jesus said. Very wise choice, <laughs> choosing to sit at Jesus' feet. So the opposite is also true. I mean, when we think about all these people, we, we, we can learn much from them, but they, we can also learn from the people who did not make wise choices. Can you think of people who did not make wise choices? Samson, Samson exactly, um, chose, despite no advice from his parents and so on, he decided he said it really His way was with women, and he ended up in a very bad place because of that. Anybody else? Sorry? Jonah, Jonah. yes, exactly. He was told, go to Nineveh. I need my people in Nineveh sorted out. Jonah decided, I'm going to Spain. Or was it Tarshish? That was it. eh? Tarshish. Tarshish. And he decided, no, I think I know better than God, so I'm going my way. Okay? Good example. Jonah, anybody else? David. David. Default. eh? Always choose David. You can't go wrong with that. Okay? Um, there are times he made lousy choices, really. Um, and we, we know the consequences of that. Um, can you think? Eve? We're in trouble because one person. <laughs> Eve made a very, very unwise choice. Um, and, and actually, Adam was standing next to her. The Bible says Adam was standing next to her. So he, he also made a very unwise choice. You should have at least you know, pointed out that maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> so don't just blame Eve, eh? it's also Adam um, Lot Lot chose to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and actually live in this city that was full of temptations and wrong lifestyles Rehoboam, Rehoboam was a was son of King Solomon and when he became king he had a choice uh, he had a choice to rule wisely or to, rules, to rule foolishly and he chose to rule foolishly took the advice of his peers and ended up in serious trouble And there are many more. The prodigal son, for example, in the parable of the prodigal son, decided to take his money and waste it. So we can see here from these examples, um, we can learn so much. First of all, we can learn that, you know, when you make the wrong choices, you will always, always, always end up with the wrong results. You will end up with bad fruit. I think that's something that needs to be understood in our minds. We need to be sensitive to the the fact that the choices we make have an impact. There is a result. Um, And certainly when you examine your life and when I examine my life, I'm sure you can come up with examples in your past where you made choices that really were not aligned with God and you ended up in a bad situation or things didn't really work out. Now the good news, and really this is really good news. The good news is that when we turn to God, irrespective of the choices we've made in the past, when we turn to God and really seek His wisdom, seek Him in the midst of so much confusion. God is so faithful, and He will give us the wisdom to actually be able to guide us through, um, guide us through life, through the choices that we make. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter two, verse six to seven, that says, "The Lord gives wisdom." From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom. He literally has, has a store of sound wisdom uh, and stores it up for the righteous or the upright. Um, this is uh, wisdom from the book of Proverbs itself. The Lord gives wisdom. Now, whenever you see the word wisdom, you will come across the word knowledge and understanding. These two are very close. It's like they're, they're sisters, eh? When you see wisdom, there's knowledge, there's understanding. They, they work very, very closely together. In the same way, you can't really have wisdom without knowledge or understanding. So um, this morning, even as we, we, we go through um, and we listen to and hear from God, I believe this is a very timely message. I am sure somewhere in your life, if you look, you are probably in the midst of making choices or you are about to come to a situation where you have to make choices. Um, and it's good to have some wisdom. How do, we, I, how do I go about this? What is wisdom? Let's start from there, because it's always a good time, a good thing to do to define what exactly we are talking about. What is wisdom? Um, I'll save you some thinking. <laughs> so like you're leaving this place and you think you have been in school. Okay, so wisdom is the ability to gain knowledge, to understand it, and to apply it in order to get the best possible results. That's a very generic, very basic description. You gain knowledge, you understand it, and then you apply it so that you get the best possible results. Now, godly wisdom, godly wisdom is very unique. Godly wisdom is really gaining knowledge in the things of God. Um, it's really gaining knowledge in the things of God, understanding them, understanding their significance to your circumstances or to my circumstances. I need to understand what this means and what what role does it have in my circumstances. And then being able to apply this knowledge, this understanding in the best possible way so that you get a godly outcome. You're looking for a godly outcome. So godly wisdom will always, always produce godly results. Good fruit, actually. There's a verse in Proverbs, again, Proverbs is a, very bo- a book that's very rich in, in wisdom, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16, don't turn there, I'll just um, explain it. Basically it says, the same way that you have a tree producing fruit, it's the same way that wisdom will give life to those who use it, okay, and everyone who uses it will actually be blessed, they will be happy, um, they will be blessed, they will be enriched, so, it's a natural result. When you use godly wisdom, you will naturally flow in life. You will actually get the very best result. So, the question is how do I get wisdom? How do I get wisdom? So, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. This is really the heart of um, the message this morning. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. If you have a Bible, we can turn there. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, are we there? Okay, excellent. So so this is what it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, at that point I put up my hand because I am one of those who lacks wisdom. (laughs) If any of you lacks wisdom, so pay attention, let him ask God, okay, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So in this scripture, God reveals two things. Well, the are two things, at least two things that we can capture from this scripture. First of all, that God gives generously and without reproaching. Reproaching means blaming. Um, or going back and saying, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? I told you to do this. So he gives without reproaching. He's a very generous giver. We've talked about God is our Father, and the heart of a Father is really to give. And so he gives generously and without blame, without reproaching. And the second thing that we can get from this is that we can actually receive wisdom when we ask in faith. Okay, so this verse encourages us to ask and to ask in faith, not doubting. Because many times we come to God and we ask him, and then, you know, you're not so sure whether he said something, so you go back and you ask again, but actually what you're doing is you're asking because you're doubting whether he's actually delivered or he's actually told you what to do. So we are to ask confidence that he's actually able to provide He has, and it's natural, I mean, he's already foreseen your situation. He knows your needs. We sang that as well. He already anticipates your needs. So he has the wisdom to be able to give to you. So let's ask in faith. So if you think about it, these two things, God is a generous giver. He's generous and he gives without reproaching. And when we ask and when we receive, we receive from him uh, by faith. Then why is it so difficult to make choices sometimes? Yes, it's a practical question, I think. I I don't know, but I have that issue sometimes. I'm like, Lord, why is this so difficult? You know, you're faced with choice A, B, C, D. What is the actual, uh, the right way to do it? Why is it so difficult to make choices at times? Well, I I believe the major hindrance towards receiving and applying wisdom is the fact that we're receiving uh, uh, receiving wisdom from so many other sources. Um, as human beings, we don't live in isolation. We, we are in contact with so much around us. And we have a lot of input into our minds. And so it makes it very difficult to actually hear and be sensitive to the voice of God. Think about it, the last time you actually had to make a decision, your mind was immediately filled with all the things that you need to do, or the things that you can possibly do, okay? What is your friend saying about this situation? What is your spouse saying about this situation? What are the experts saying about this situation? Mm -hmm. What are your experiences? Because experiences do talk. I don't know, you've been in an experience or a situation before in the past, and then you face the same situation again. So I'm like, okay, what did I do the last time? So that's already a voice that is actually speaking to you. So experiences do talk. What is media saying? What are they actually saying on the media concerning this issue? And yes, God can speak through some of these voices, that's true, but how do you know? How can you tell which is God's voice and which is not? So the good news is God doesn't want us to go through life speculating and guessing and gambling. He has given us very precise ways in which we can actually sort through these voices. And so it's good to to really understand how this this can be done. It's um, something that I find so useful um, and I've really meditated on it for quite a while now. And I found it so useful in, order, in making decisions. I haven't got it perfect, but it has really helped me. Uh, in, in a, it, you know, I've come a long way in terms of the way that I make decisions. And this, has been, this what we're going to do is really, uh, we're going to analyze and, and look at, has been really instrumental in this. So God gives us his spirit. He gives us his word. And what we're going to do is look at one specific verse. James chapter 3, still in the book of James. Um, James chapter 3. And we look at verse 17, okay, James chapter 3, verse 17, so as you're getting there, um, in this specific verse, God gives us a picture of what his wisdom looks like. He really gives us, you know, we can characterize, we can identify what his wisdom looks like um, going through this, this particular verse, Okay. So the wisdom of God, uh, James chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom from above, that is the wisdom from heaven or the wisdom from God, is first pure, okay? The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, peaceable, then gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere, so when I'm faced with choices, and trying to see, um, do I take this choice? Is this really God's wisdom? This is a very simple analysis of, you know, that I can use or a template that I can use to really evaluate. The wisdom of God is, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It is impartial and it is sincere, okay? So first pure. That is the first characteristic. And notice it prioritizes. This is really, first and foremost, it is pure. Pure means uncontaminated, undefiled. It's consistent. We talk of pure milk, pure water, and I think we, we, we know what that means. Uncontaminated, 100% pure. So to put it simply, the wisdom of God is really consistent with his word. It is purely his word, Okay. God will never give you wisdom that is contrary to what he says in the words or in the scriptures. It is really impossible for that to happen. So when I look at my choices, I have to check and see, is this in line with scriptures? And you know, this alone can sort out so many choices. It can eliminate a lot of the wrong choices just at this point. There's a proverb that really um, sort of emphasizes this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It's a very familiar proverb verse to many of us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. The beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It is really reverencing God, honoring God, where we put his values much higher than what we um, desire, what we want. His values, his word, when we honor that and we prioritize um, all these things of God, that's in a sense that's we are actually fearing Him. So when we when we do that, when we prioritize God and His values, His Word, His will, then we can match whatever choices we're making against that, um, against that, that, you know, against the, against that. So when I when I want to make choices, I must ask, does this really honor God? Is this in line with His values? Does it promote God's will? and his word, yeah, so perhaps you're here, okay, and maybe you've been seeking God for financial breakthrough, maybe you're looking for some money, and you really need some money, so a friend of yours comes to you, and advises you, he says, place a bet on who will win this, this, this evening's opening match, yeah, so that's your friend, he's giving you advice, then the betting companies, is there telling you, you can win a hundred times what you place a bet on. Okay, so we put in 50,000, 50, a hundred times that, five million. Okay, so you get excited. Then a colleague comes to you and tells you, by the way, I'm experienced in these things. I know who's going to win. By the way, who's playing tonight? Huh? <laughs> who's, who's opening the match? Who's, who's. Qatar. Yes, of course, Qatar. Okay, versus. Ecuador. Ecuador. Wow, nobody watches the World Cup here. <laughs> Nobody's really living. You guys are all very holy. Wow. <laughs> okay, so anyway, a colleague comes to you and says, Man, I'm experienced in these things. I have won money before. I can tell you who's going to win. So there already you have three voices. And so what happens? You decide to place a bet. But let me tell you right now, that is really not God's voice. None of these voices are God's voices. Why? Because over and over in Scripture, God warns us against quick and easy wins. Okay? Gambling is not really God's, God's way, exactly. He doesn't want you to gamble. He didn't gamble on you, he didn't gamble on your life, so don't gamble on your on your future. Okay? God does not encourage gambling. There are many scriptures that tell that advise against getting rich. Okay? So the reality is, even if you win by either way, even if you take that 5 million, it is still not God's wisdom. So don't give testimonies. <laughs> because that was not God's wisdom. And the reality, remember we are, we are focusing on the results. The reality is it will probably disappear. Because this is a statistic that's been proven over and over. People who win lotteries and gambling, whatever, their money hardly lasts. In fact, they end up worse off than they were before. So this is a, some kind of filter that we can use. Is what I'm doing or what I'm going to do, does it line up with the word of God. God's wisdom is pure. Even our own motives, the reason for doing something um, needs to be examined. You're the only person who can tell why you're doing something. So you need to examine the reason, the motive for why you're doing it. Are you doing it out of godly intentions or godly motives, such as love, compassion, desire to please God? Or are you doing it out of ungodly motives, like revenge? Many people who act out of revenge. Fear, There are many decisions that are made out of fear. Greed is another one. Jealousy, and all these other ungodly um, motives or motivations, they really do not result in the right thing, okay? So the wisdom of God, fast, pure, Let's go back to the scripture because we are going to analyze and go systematically through. The wisdom of God is first pure, then it is peaceable. So, if you've sorted out the pure part, then the next step is it is peaceable. Peaceable is not a a very common English word. Um, Some translations in some Bible translation says it is peace loving, Um, but what it means is that you know to be peaceable is that you are at peace with God, and you out of that you also desire to have peace with others. So wisdom, wisdom's intention has to be peace. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Lot. Um, they lived together at one time in Negeb and they were very, very wealthy. Both of them were extremely wealthy. Um, but the resources were scarce where they lived. And so their herdsmen began to quarrel over these scarce resources. The herdsmen of, of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot quarreled continuously. There was strife between the two of them. So Abraham said to Lot, he said, look, for us to stay here together will not make sense. So what you do, I'm giving you a choice. Choose any place that you want to go to. Take the first choice, separate yourself from me, and then if you take the left, I will go right. If you take the right, I will go to the left. And the whole intention is so that we can have no strife between us, we can have peace between us very beautiful, very powerful. That was wisdom, okay? Abraham wisely sought to make peace with Lot, and the strife stopped. So if you're operating in God's wisdom, you decide you desire to be a peacemaker instead of promoting strife and quarreling, okay? Um, Just recently, I was was doing a negotiation on behalf of a company. Um, It's a long story, Uh, but basically, there was a person who had been employed before, and they left and they had made a claim against the company. They were really, really bitter and they were angry because they felt the company had not, had not done well by them. So um, I was called in to help do the negotiations. We were a team. And I remember as I was sitting and listening to this young man uh, who had, you know, he had since left but he had come back obviously to, to present his case and really complain. The Lord was speaking to me and saying, look, what I desire out of this situation is peace. This man has come with bitterness, he's come with anger, he's furious, he's mad, so what I would like to lead you to is in peace. Not so much the sense, you know, the, 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 the coins or the, the amount that you're going to settle, but it's really an issue of peace. And so I was thinking about that as this man was narrating a story and as we were presenting, because we were in, in, the, in the front of Mediator and we were also presenting, I was presenting at least on behalf of the company, and eventually we did get to our settlement Um, and it was not quite what he wanted. He wanted much, much more, but we got to a settlement. But I remember at the end, we shook hands. This man's attitude had changed completely, okay? There was a very different um, atmosphere. We had started off in a lot of strife, back and forth and so on and so on, but we shook hands and we blessed each other. That's powerful, that's really powerful. And we said, you know, tomorrow I'll meet you on the street, you never know. I might need you. You might need me. Let us leave this place when we have peace amongst each other. And that's exactly what happened. So the wisdom of God, peaceable, drives towards peace. Now, that doesn't mean that you agree with everything and with everyone. <laughs> Just to avoid conflict. It doesn't work like that. Remember, the first criteria of wisdom is it must be pure. Yes, you're awake. It must be fast, pure. Okay, so yes, I make peace, but I never violate the word of the Lord. I always honor his word. Okay, so the wisdom of God, peaceable, um, gentle, uh, sorry, uh, pure, peaceable, gentle. The wisdom of God is gentle. gentle. Being gentle means respecting the feelings of others, respecting and honoring um, the feelings of others, making allowances for people's weaknesses. That's a reality. Nobody's perfect, and we need to understand that. Jesus was very wise, and the way that he gave advice, if you look at his encounter with many people that he walked, you know, he walked and he would encounter different people from different backgrounds and so on, the way that he would give wisdom was very gentle. He would, he would give gentle, I mean, he would, he would issue out wisdom very gently without necessarily compromising God's values. For example, the Samaritan woman he gave her wisdom about what it really means to worship God what it means to worship God, without, you know, um, shaming her. He he, he preserved her dignity, really. Um, Same thing with the the woman caught in adultery. Um, He gave wisdom to her, wisdom that set her free, um, and he did not condemn her because he had a perfect right to condemn her. You know, it says, let him who is without sin... Uh, cast the first stone, and he was without sin, so he had the perfect right to actually cast the stone on this woman. But he released her from her her bondage. He gave her wisdom on how to walk out of that bondage without condemning her. Gentle wisdom. Martha, he gave wisdom to Martha about priorities, what is more important. But at the same time, he did not um, dishonor or discredit her service. He did not reject her service. So wisdom has to be imparted in a gentle way, honoring others, honoring uh, the feelings of others, and respecting people, okay? So you are operating in godly wisdom when you avoid being rude and harsh and abusive and humiliating. Okay, the time for (laughs) self-examination. That's why there's a pause. You know, I had to sit and really think about this. I said, Lord, I need to repent. (laughs) You know how many of us have really given wisdom at the top of our voices? And I'm not talking about singing. (laughs) Amen, amen. I mean, I'll confess it. You know, one time I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. You know the problem with being here is you have to really confess a lot of of sins. It's a pain. (laughs) And then the audience laughs. When you're confessing your sins, the audience is laughing. So at one time, I was at this meeting, and I was talking about righteousness, and this was a very, I should have been wise about the way I went about it, but it was a a group of people who were not so much in touch with the grace message and so on. So I was doing my best, or what I thought was my best, in in order to explain to them the grace, the fact that we are righteous when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I was quoting scriptures. And anyway, the temperature of the room went up very fast. (laughs) Um, because, you know, there was a huge debate. No, we are sinners. No, we are righteous. No. And I got to this point where I was like literally screaming, we are righteous. You know, it, it, later on I thought about it, I said, okay, <laughs> that was not wise. It was right, but it was not wise. Okay, so when we impart wisdom, we have to be gentle about it. We really, really have to be gentle about it. Uh, The wisdom of God is open to reason. Open to reason. That's the fourth one. Okay? A person who is open to reason means you are easily persuaded into a better way. It's easy to persuade you. You are not stubborn. You don't insist on having your own way. And you're willing to listen to cooperate with others, especially when you see there's a better way to be followed. So, some self examination. Am I willing to listen? Can I admit when I'm wrong? (laughs) It's a very painful message. (laughs) Can others talk to me? You know, sometimes people fear talking to us. I don't know. I'm in a situation where I'm I'm the boss, and sometimes, really, people fear coming to me. Um, And, you know, it's something to really examine my heart. Is it because I'm I'm giving out a message where I'm unapproachable? Uh, Perhaps you're the person who is always angry. So any small thing sets you off. So this was a problem with somebody called Nabal. Anybody remember the story of Nabal and Abigail? Very interesting story. There's a lot you can learn out of it. But Nabal had a reputation of being harsh and unreasonable. Very wealthy man, very, very rich, but very harsh and unreasonable. Even amongst his own servants, his servants fear him. One time David, David sent some men. David was living in the wilderness at that time. But they interacted with, uh, with Nabal's uh, servants because Nabal's would send shepherds out in the field to, you know, to work with the sheep, and David would be around in the wilderness, and David would really help to protect um, Nabal's sheep, yeah? So one time, David sent a message to Nabal and said, look, I've been protecting your people all this time. Please give us food. We are hungry. We are starving. Give us some food. So Nabal refused and said, no way. Who is David? I've never even heard of him. There are too many people who are just lousy. You know, They're just here to waste my time. And he completely refused. So one of his servants was very wise, went to Abigail, the wife of David. And the Bible says she was a woman of wisdom, a woman of understanding. And she went to Abigail and said, you know, I think we better help this man, David, because um, and she, and he gave a testimony how David was a very good man. And he said, it's to our benefit to actually help him. And then he said, we can't appeal to your husband because the man is worthless. And one cannot even speak to him. It's terrible. What a reputation. Your servants cannot even approach you because you're unapproachable. A wise person is always reasonable. They are approachable. They are willing and ready to listen to the views of others. And they're easy to approach, they're easy to speak to. And they can change their viewpoint if their viewpoint, if they realize, by the way, I'm going the wrong path they can actually repent. It's called repenting. It's called changing your mind, changing your viewpoint. They can do that and go the right way. Okay? Thank you, Lord, for the rain. (laughs) Amen. Okay. A wise person is full of mercy and good fruits. Okay? Are we being blessed? Yes. Okay, some are still thinking. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit. A wise person operates in mercy and compassion, basically in love. Compassion is like love. eh? They are kind, they are patient, they seek the good of others, and they desire to see good, and they actively work towards the good of others. One of the best examples I can think about is the Good Samaritan. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? He was traveling along a road, and then he came across this man who had been badly beaten, he was injured, and he was left to die. So the good Samaritan, or the Samaritan at that time, made a choice. Um, he, he decided to help this man. He could have actually chosen to ignore him, could have decided to ignore him and go, because there were people who had actually gone ahead and had seen him and gone, gone their way. But he made a choice. And the Bible says he made this choice out of compassion, he felt compassion towards this injured man. So he helped him and he went with him to an inn and took care of his needs. And the result is that a life was saved. This man was healed, we believe. So we act wisely when we seek the good of others. When our motives, our motives, our motives are sincere and they really are aimed at helping others. And the way we do this, we do this because we ourselves have experienced the compassion and the love of God. And so we take that love and compassion to others. So when we act in wisdom towards others, we really do so in compassion. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, Full of mercy and good fruits. Okay. And then it is impartial. God's wisdom is impartial. It does not show favoritism. Impartial. Not showing favoritism. It doesn't engage in negative criticism. Of others, either to their face or behind their backs. So if you're thinking of making a wise decision, ask yourself, does this favor one person over another person? Obviously, we have to be wise and make decisions um, that are in line with the word of God. And make sure that if somebody is guilty, they are like they are, you know, they are guilty, they, they need to go through that that process. And if they are innocent, they need to go through that process. But judgment has to be fair to all. Okay, So it is impartial, kind to everyone, irrespective of who they are. God, you know, we we need to be like God. God is no respecter of person. He doesn't really respect, uh, okay, that doesn't mean he doesn't respect, but rather it means he doesn't show favorism on one person and not over the other. That's really what it means. He's he's no respecter of person. So he gives grace, for example, to all people. Um, This is in Titus chapter 2 verse 1. His grace and favor is available to all men. He loved the world, the whole world, without discrimination. The whole world, every individual is loved by him. Even his wisdom is available to all people, very ready and very available to all people. So impartial, we need to take on the character of God that when we are work, acting wisely, we are acting with impartiality, yeah? I don't know if that's an English word, we are being impartial. I think that's a better way to put it. We are not showing favoritism. Then, uh, lastly, the wisdom of God is sincere. Godly wisdom is sincere. This means it is free from pretense, and it has no hidden agendas. Have you ever received wisdom or advice or something from someone, and they have a hidden agenda? There's something they are trying to get you to do, but it's not upfront. That is not wise. Judas, Judas uh, who betrayed Jesus, was such a person. You know, at one time, uh, Jesus was in this house, and then Mary came in with her perfume and anointed Jesus' feet with her perfume. Now, Judas decided to give Jesus some financial advice. So he told him, you know what, Jesus, I think if we take this perfume and we sell it, We can actually take the money and give it to the poor or help the poor. He even calculated the value of the perfume. He said it's like one year's salary. Think of how much good that would do. Now, if you had been in the audience at that time, you'd have thought Judas is a very, very wise person. He's very caring towards the poor. But actually, the Bible says this man was targeting the money for himself. He was being very insincere. He had a hidden motive. Do we sometimes put on a performance so that we can look good in front of others? That is not wisdom. Okay, so that's something to examine ourselves. Why do I do what I do? Is it to look good in front of others? That is not sincere. A wise person is sincere. They don't pretend either in their words or in their actions, and they are not motivated by hidden agendas or by pride or self-interest. They're more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing or impressing other people. So to summarize, if I want to discern the wisdom of God in any situation, I can always use the word, he has blessed us with the word of God. Of course his spirit is with us, but his spirit and his word line up together. They work together. Wisdom from a God is always pure, fast, pure, then peaceable, let's say it together, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And there is always a fruit. Verse 18, verse 18 goes on to show us what the fruit is. The result of operating in God's wisdom is a harvest of righteousness. It says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So remember I made a statement earlier when I said godly wisdom will always result in godly results. You will always reap a good harvest when you follow the wisdom of God. It's kind of like a seed. When you plant a mango seed, you'll get a mango tree. When you plant an avocado seed, you get an avocado tree. When you plant any seed, you will get the results of what you've planted. So in the same way, when you plant the wisdom of God, we get the results, which is godly results. We reap a harvest of the right kind of fruit. Amen. Okay, so I will end here. Um, And I pray really that we hear and we follow the Holy Spirit in making wise choices. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding. And so he's more than capable. He's actually sent to help us to make these kinds of choices. So let's rise to our feet as we pray. And like I said earlier, this, this really calls for self-examination. This is the kind of message you take home and you just chew over and you think about your choices, the way you make them, um, the decisions you're making, how you're making them. It's really that kind of word. And my prayer is that even as we leave this place through the rain, <laughs> that this will really become a real thing to us, some very practical tools that we can use to, to discern God's wisdom and walk in his wisdom. So, Father, I want to thank you for... This morning, thank you for um, blessing us really with your word. Thank you for blessing us with your spirit. You've given us amazing, amazing gifts that enable us to walk in your ways. And Lord, I thank you that your desire is that we should walk aright, that we should walk wisely in the way that we behave towards one another, towards unbelievers, that we should walk with wisdom, with grace. And Lord, we are believing right now that you have this desire placed on the inside of us to exactly do right. May your spirit lead each each one of us as we make choices on a day-by-day basis. And as we remember that you, you are the priority in all this, your will, your values, your desires. That is what we prioritize on. I pray for everyone gathered here this morning who may be making choices, who may be sp- caught in the midst of trying to see what to do right, whether it's in their relationships, their business, or wherever they are, I just pray over everyone right now that this message will be a point or a foundation in which to build the right choices. Father, thank you that you love us so much, that you are a good, good father who has anticipated our needs and who knows what we need anytime. Thank you that you have promised to guide us and you do so. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.